Hello, comrades. You are listening to Kyle's Communist Podcast. My name's Kyle, and on this show, we recap our Marxist newsletter found up at kylecommunist.com. It comes out about every Tuesday, Wednesday, where we summarize, recap, and aggregate Marxist, communist, socialist news from all around the globe. It's a great place to touch on stories from countries. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about Russia with one of their uh, most famous communists of the, the modern era who was just recently jailed. That's Boris Kagorlitsky. We're going to be talking a little bit, a bit about the United States here with the UPS strike that has been looming and is now being pushed back. We're also going to touch on some other loose stories from around the world. We got a little bit of information from Germany in here. Uh, back to the United States for a second. We might touch on Florida adopting PragerU lessons for their schools. So look out for that, everybody. If you want to follow along, again, all this information is at kylecommunist.com. Before we get into the meat of today's episode, we're going to touch on some information about the Discord server. This is big news for us, something we're really excited to announce, that here in August, we are piloting a new requirement for those members on Discord to attend our book club sessions. The book clubs have been such a huge success. It has attracted a lot of eyes to the server, and it is a wonderful thing. We want to make sure that all members are getting involved. They're taking part in it. It's a reminder that when you're reading Marxist and socialist books, you're supposed to be doing so, if you can, with a group of comrades. And we recommend that always because when you're reading with comrades, you're learning with comrades, you're able to share both personal stories, anecdotes, things that are relative to your situation, what struggles you might be facing, and you're also able to get your larger, more theory questions answered. It's a beautiful thing. We're opening a third section of our book club each week. That means we are covering Monday nights at 9 p.m. New York time. We are covering Thursday nights, 9 p.m. New York. And now we are adding in a special section on Fridays. And this one is actually targeted for our European time zone comrades. So for people overseas, Friday's section is 6 a.m. New York time. And that equates to about, I think it's noon Berlin, about 12 noon Berlin. So that's a nice healthy time for comrades over there. Otherwise, we know our, our poor European comrades have tried to join the past. They've had to stay up till somewhere around three or four in the morning to catch book club sessions. Up until this point, we've never had any sort of mandatory uh, attendance, but we wanna do this because our server is getting more serious. We are opting to move away from being an open door policy server where anyone can just wander in. Because as you may have gathered from the internet, that relates and, well, maybe even encourages trolling we get them on occasion still in our server and my mods and i are very um i guess astute and quick to to debunk their arguments and send them out the door but more than that i like having book club because we can invite people to learn it's not just about a swat in the rear and send them out the door we want people to have the opportunity to learn so where we're going with this one is sort of closing that door, allowing less trolls in. But for people that want to come and learn, this is going to be a very abundant place to do that. There's comrades. I mean, our last book club just had comrades from the United States, Mexico, Venezuela, Brazil, uh, Lithuania. I'm missing some things off the top of my head. The UK. And I'm sure there were people that didn't even speak up with where they're from. That's just a couple. It is a very 
cool crew of people. There is so much to learn by hearing stories from our international comrades. So strong invite to everyone listening to this episode. Please come and join us uh, again Mondays, Thursdays, and Fridays. The Thursday-Friday segment, this is tentative, but we're looking at making those sort of a, a mirror of one another, a repeat. So if you attend Thursday night, Friday night, or Friday morning should approximately be the same between the two. At least that's our attempt. We're going to start doing that uh, in the remainder of August. This week, we're going back and uh, we're pulling Shay's revolutionary medicine. So if you want to join us for that, that'd be really cool. We'd love to have you. Let's get into some of the news for this week. Diving right in, right off the top, let's talk about Boris Kagerlitsky. I'm going to pull an article here from Jacobin.com. This came from Russian comrades over in the Marxist Union group. They submitted this. Here's the summary. It says, left-wing sociologist Boris Kagerlitsky is being accused of, quote, justifying terrorism in Russia, with the true reason being the elimination of remaining opposition figures amid a political crisis. Kagerlitsky is a renowned left-wing theoretician and faces up to seven years in prison, and searches are being conducted at the premises of his associates. This is not the first case of persecution against left-wing activists in Russia, and support is being called uh, for to ensure Kagerlitsky's freedom. Highly recommend people give a read of this. It is a little hard to find information in the leftist sphere yet. The I'm sorry, the, the Western leftist sphere. There has not been many English posts put out. This is one of the most, I guess, robust. I have shared in the Discord server, in the news channel, some other groups uh, outside of Russia that have been supporting Kagerlitsky. I, I want to say one of them is the Kyrgyzstan comrades and the Kazakhstan comrades. Those are at least two. I think the Ukrainian comrades as well. Uh, there's a couple groups in that area that have published what I would still call small posts. At least that's all I've seen here, being a, an English speaker that knows a little bit of Russian, at least knows how to navigate those sources. What's important about this is we have so many corrupt, so-called communists here in the West, people who we would call patsocks, patriotic socialists, those who have chosen an opportunist path, that is to say they support bourgeois entities for the hopes of themselves gaining personal splendor. These patsocks have allied themselves with Putin. You can see this very quickly with folks like Infrared and Hawes. He is one of their greatest examples, someone who is willing to betray all communist internationalist values. That is to say, we are, as communists, completely about proletarian internationalism. That is to say, war against our own bourgeoisie of our own countries with the intent of creating these revolutions to help one another. Pat Sox have gone the complete opposite direction, again, calling them opportunists. <laughs> They're sort of actually a diluted form of social chauvinists that, without getting too deep into it, is a uh, even further corrupted version. They are effectively willing to support Putin with this notion that he is some savior of communism as he actively detains and tortures communists. Uh, Boris Kargalitsky is one that's getting a lot of notoriety because a lot of Marxists within Russia at least have 
respect for him. If, if not that they listen to him, they at least respect him at a distance. There are many other examples of leftists that have been jailed. And in fact, I believe this article or the one that's at Marxist.com, there's another, uh, that, that's a good one to recommend to people too. The one over at Marxist.com or Marxist.com, I believe that one mentions a couple of the other players who have been jailed, other peoples who are part of smaller parties or um, there's even some sort of, I guess, almost more anarchist groups, people that are anti-government, anti-imperialist there that have been jailed under similar actions. This one is such a stretch. So Boris Kagerlitsky was labeled as a foreign agent last year for his non-approval of the war. And I'll go ahead and just dive right in and read you a quote from the top. It says, in Russia, a fabricated legal process has been launched against the prominent left-wing sociologist. He is being accused of, quote, justifying terrorism. And based on his discussion about the motivations of the Ukrainian armed forces in the Crimea bridge explosion. So that's the key here. The investigation was opened formally when he had announced these questions about the motivations of the bridge bombing it says the true reason behind this is the elimination of remaining opposition figures amid a political crisis resulting from military failures Kagerlitsky is a renowned left-wing theoretician uh, internationally known for his works including the popular books quote well this book title between class and discourse and from empires to imperialism uh, goes on to say Let's see, the FSB, that's the Federal Security Services or Bureau, in, uh, instigated criminal charges against him on July 25th of this year under one of the new repressive articles, Justification of Terrorism. Hmm. He said that the explosion on the bridge could be, quote, well, sorry, could be understood, quote, from a military perspective. That is the phrase that has landed him in prison to look at the situation quote from a military perspective very very uh, almost hilarious accusation if this were not such a life-threatening situation uh, russia's police just like those in the united states are renowned for their violent and torturous method of detainee uh, interrogations, suffocation, electrocution, beatings, things like that are, are well documented, both again in Russia and the United States, specifically and especially when we're talking about communists or people that are leftists of any genre, really. Something that's very... Peculiar about this case, too, is that instead of being tried in a major city, he was taken miles away to the Komi Republic, uh, to a specific small rural, I believe, village court there, or some small city court there. Pardon me that I don't have that right in front of me. But the strange part, being taken there to be tried and held. What this does, in a very practical way, is it makes logistics hard. He's out of his city where he's housed. So that means family, friends, etc., supporters cannot easily visit him. And that's the suspicion of why that is done. That he moved him somewhere distant so 
crowds could not form or gather. This seems to be a recurring tactic that the Russian government uses as well, is, is ship them out somewhere distant from the populated cities. That, that way, again, the support is just that much harder to give. If you've ever been in a situation where you had to add an extended commute into your life, whether you had to take care of family or someone else's house, however you did it, that you had to add that extra trip into your day, you can imagine how absolutely painful it must be for, again, family and friends to get to him. I want to say he might be about one to two hours even outside of a major city. And they predominantly take trains to these locations in Russia. That's one of the most popular long travel options. So... It doesn't take much to put two and two together on this this situation. Again, they even declare so in this article. This was, again, written by Russian comrades directly. They conclude it by saying, Kagerlitsky must be freed, and may the slogan be echoed by all who have ever shaken his hand or read his books. We call upon you to support him through publications, actions, and attention to his books. People may perish, but ideas do not, and Kagerlitsky has done everything to ensure that prison walls will not hinder his fight for human freedom. <sighs> a very, very, very trusted Russian friend of mine, uh, I, when I sent him this information, I, I sort of asked what his opinion was of Kagerlitsky. He said uh, that Kagerlitsky, again, respectable. He watched his words very carefully. He wasn't maybe the most uh, sort of violent agitator, but that's what makes this so poignant is that he wasn't the strongest agitator. He was a, I, I almost just want to say a formal, formalized Marxist. He was, he was not complicit with the system, but he found a way to agitate from within the system. Those, those two things are, in my opinion, extraordinarily different things. He, he's not complicit in what Putin's regime pushes for, but he had found a way to agitate those ideas within it until now. The, the noose is tightening, one could say. And that's why I really wanted to make sure this got a lot of airtime in today's episode for folks to know about this. I know a lot of our Western comrades haven't seen much material on it. I'm very honestly disappointed that more of the sites I, I rely on and trust haven't said anything either. It could be an aspect that these comrades kind of don't have that international reach when they're sort of sharing this out. Could be aspects of russophobia at play because that has certainly affected aspects of the the global communist movement as well a lot of maybe more general leftists i wouldn't even call i would not call these people marxists if they fall prey to this but there are a lot of leftists out there loose leftists who probably are not interested in spreading awareness for russian comrades because unfortunately malignantly we have that part of this loose left that doesn't understand how racism and xenophobia affects. So that's our job, to educate people. And, and I mentioned Pat Sox earlier. I, I got a little bit deep in it, and I want to bring it back around to say, patriotic socialists in the United States tend to venerate people like Putin. It's almost exclusively one of their things. That's why they fly Russian flags and their profiles and all of this. I was calling it social chauvinism earlier. That isn't the technical term for it. I even went so far as to call it a delusional form of social chauvinism. Social chauvinism would be a case where, let's say China declares war on the United States today. 
Well, I'm already an outspoken advocate against the United States government. But if China declared war on, war on us today and I said, oh, you know what, everyone? Oh, no time to be anti-American. Put down your arms. We must defend the United States against China. We support the oligarchs of America. Crush us harder. Stomp on me. I sell out my comrades because I'm now Mr. Patriotic. That is a social chauvinist, a communist who betrays their ideals for supporting their national bourgeoisie. Mostly because they're grifters with a lot to gain by selling out their comrades. But again, I have to say, that's the technical definition, supporting your own bourgeoisie. So what the hell are these degenerated social chauvinists that are supporting the bourgeoisie of other countries? It's hyper-relevant to Boris Kogorlitsky's case because these comrades, who again are shilling for Putin, shilling for a foreign capitalist, their excuse is, well, Putin's doing more to disrupt global imperialism than anything else. Recent quote from the past couple days. That stance is one of throwing your foreign comrades to their death so that you can have a slightly easier time at home. You are willing to have your foreign comrades detained and tortured so that you get away with doing less. Again, I don't know what the new formal term for it is because I don't think opportunist goes far enough to describe the anti-communist activity that those people are putting forward. But it's very relevant to this story because if you pose this one, Putin's detention of a well-respected communist, if you pose this to one of these pat socks, it's a good time to do it. It's a good time to put the nails to him with this story because they haven't found out their excuse yet. What we heard recently trying that, I had a friend on Discord who was uh, in a Twitter thing with a, a pat sock. And I just said, hey, well, you know, he supports Russia, even though they're a very capitalist country. Well, let's see what he says about having a well-known communist detained and probably tortured there. Ooh, the Pat Sock unraveled real quickly, real quickly. It went from, well, why should I care about a communist outside of the United States? He has no bearing on me to... Well, he should have just obeyed the law. If he had just not supported terrorism against the state. <laughs> Pat socks quickly show their colors, folks. And this, again, use this as your ammunition. There, is, there are other pieces up on the website, by the way. If you go into the blog section or even just use the search bar. And Kyle's thoughts on Ukraine is the article title. There are a couple different sources in there highlighting different ways that Putin has cracked down on communists in the past. Use that if you need in any way, shape, or form to debunk any Westerners, any Americans in particular, that think that they should shill for Putin, that he's somehow going to save communism or promote it somewhere. Putin has a notorious line, he says, towards the Ukrainians. It's up on, his, it's up on the Kremlin website where he says, uh, you want decommunization? Fine. Well, don't stop halfway. We'll finish it for you because it serves us quite well. 
and paraphrasing, but it's almost exactly that quote. So go check that one out. There's other information. There's even a video of some of my Russian comrades about to be arrested or detained themselves for going out on uh, October Revolution Day and trying to open a Soviet banner at a Lenin statue. And the police came up and gave them a formal warning and they closed their banners and left. Not a good place for leftists and communists that are trying to speak out. So go check out that article titled Free Boris Kagerlitsky. I'll try and get the uh, Marxist.com one included too. I, I'm sorry that I didn't in this, but that must have escaped me. Next one I want to talk about titled Vote This Trash Pile Down. UPS workers speak out against new tentative agreement. This comes to us from World Socialist website. It says UPS workers are expressing their opposition to the new five-year tentative agreement proposed by the Teamsters their union, which contains substandard pay and benefits. The deal was announced only days before an August 1st strike deadline, blocking a struggle by 340,000 workers. 340,000 workers. Many workers are upset about the lack of benefits, health, and safety, and the fact that the $21 an hour rate is not keeping up with inflation. Workers are calling for a living wage and are urging others to vote against the proposed agreement. Ooh, we've been covering this for a few weeks now, touching very loosely on UPS themselves. And I, a couple weeks back, expressed this exact fear. I said, I am not holding my breath. I do not believe UPS I do not believe the UPS Teamsters union there is willing to do what it takes. We had mentioned how their union rep, the, the, the head of the head there, he was hanging out with AOC, rubbing elbows and whatever else they're doing, agreeing to oppress the working class further. This has this union has a lot of doubt cast upon and its its leadership again has been invited to the White House multiple times. We talked about this over the last couple of weeks, so I, I don't want to you know overload some of those people with the same same same. But you should definitely check out a couple of these ongoing articles. We'll pull some quotes out of here in just a minute because this is very important for people to know about. But I really want to encourage you in the meantime check some of the past uh, newsletters I've done. I've included a couple bits of information about UPS. This is an exciting time for the strike movement. It's a very great and fertile time for us as socialists and communists to be talking to people, to be opening their mind to workers' rights. As material conditions worsen, people are going to wake up much faster. I always say we must be there to catch them. If we are not there to catch them and explain how they've been oppressed, then unfortunately Fox News and the Fasci crew will, and they will step in and say, it's the gays, it's the Jews, it's the this, it's the that. Scapegoat, scapegoat. I say this every week. I'd say it because it's true. <laughs> I'm a broken record because it's accurate. I'm a broken record because these stories are extraordinarily similar every single week. And it's why we should never tune out to them because these are very developing things. They're very relevant to us. And again, learning what's causing troubles for the working class 
coast to coast in the United States is also a really, really important subject. We need to understand particularly the conditions that workers are going through. And big companies have done a lot to hide that. There's lots of, well, as we can even see in their job listings for sites, many, many companies will do a kind of inquire within sort of thing, or they'll, they'll hide what they're paying people. They, they don't want it to be well known. And that's why the Hollywood writer's strike coupled with the SAG-AFTRA strike, that has been very beneficial in people knowing that many Hollywood workers were being paid minimum wage or not at all at times, being paid in glamour, as I like to say. Uh, this has been very good in getting people to know how hard and for what their UPS workers are breaking their backs for. Also in recent weeks, we talked about children, a death of children workers, young kids, teenagers dying in meatpacking facilities and warehouses. It's only becoming more and more common. So let's let's dive into the uh, practical bits of this article and see what we can find. I read this one earlier today, but here's a good part. Here's a, a write-in from Pittsburgh, so my area. This person wrote, We worked six days a week during COVID-19. After taxes and whatnot, I was bringing home maybe $1,400, which is good money. But everyone else was getting $650 staying home with their family. Basically, I was working over 50 hours a week when no one knew much about COVID. And this company was raking in record profits for $750 a week compared to those who were not, uh, were not working because of the pandemic. No catch-up pay, no thank, no thank you compensation, nothing from UPS. Someone from Atlanta, Georgia writes in, first I think it, starting pay, should be $25 an hour coming in the door when hired at UPS because of inflation rates. Second, Long-term, part-timer, longevity raises for those have been in the company. Oh, pardon me. The, the way this is written, I want to emphasize a different part. It says, secondly, long-term, part-timer, longevity raises, meaning increases of pay, for those who have been with the company for more than 15 plus years should be $5, not $1.50 raises. No exceptions. What this article is getting at is how there is a massive disparity for the part-time laborers that come in and work very grueling shifts at UPS. And this person calling out in there, the way it's worded needed some extra context for uh, someone not reading the full article. It is to say the union, the Teamsters, has been advocating this pay raise for part-timers from a pre-COVID sort of standard so way before inflation. So some of these people are being paid about $21 an hour. But when it comes to this pay raise that the Teamsters are cheering about, they're taking a $19 an hour income from, from years prior. Then they're bumping it by $1.50 about and coming up somewhere around $21 again. Meaning it's a big nothing sandwich that the Teamsters are cheering for fake platitudes, fake congrats, fake like hand out little plastic trophies at this stage. See if that feeds your workers. Uh, the people here are getting very, very, very rightfully angry about this. Let's see. They have a third point. So let's continue. This is the same person from Atlanta saying, third, as far as a pension goes for part-timers, a whole lot of us can't do 35 years and make it to see $2,450 a month. 
That's a slap in the face. If you're lucky enough to make it to C25 plus years, you only get less than $1,500 a month in pension. How is that fair? (laughs) We are seeing so many rightful strikes, well overdue in fact coming and starting to rock this country and you will hear me week after week support these strikers because the system is hell-bent on not changing that is why the american government continues to get involved with these strike efforts to divert them they want all power to the big companies all power to the, the bourgeois government but we stand with these workers These unions are not perfect. And that is where we as dedicated Marxists, as socialists, as communists, that is where we can lend our studied knowledge to these efforts. Preferably and best of all, in your exact office. That is to say, organize yourself and your people, dear listeners. But if you can lend help to those that are asking for it, please do. I have received messages already of people saying, Kyle, I want to unionize this place. How would I go about it? That is a great question to be asking. That is a great question to see. So that's probably some sort of material. Again, we'll, we'll find. I, I, I've pulled other information and, and linked people in with other contacts where I could. But that's some bit of information we might put together in the future here. I do want to point out that so uh, this website World Socialist uh, News has uh, actually a link here at the top talking about this. It says, take up the fight against the contract and sell out union bureaucrats by joining the UPS Workers Rank and File Committee. And they provide an email to it, also including with it a form to fill out if you want to submit your information. That is who they've been pulling from. So uh, there are quite a few socialists out there. There are quite a few socialists in UPS writing in and partaking in this dialogue. And I encourage anyone out there that if that is a situation you find yourself in, communication is key. Please do not go through any of this alone. We are our weakest when we are alone. Don't take no in in this political context. Do not take no for an answer. You, if you think unionizing is right for you, research it and continue on. There are going to be roadblocks. People are going to try to stop you. They will do anything to take away workers' power. Your strength is in the unity of you, your friends, your comrades, the people you can trust and rely on to have your back. So please, again, don't be a stranger at any point. Reach out to me or others. We'd be happy to discuss further with you in in any way we can. To that end, a really interesting article I will probably, this will be the last one we cover this week. It's called Comrade or Enemy. This was put out on the Substack website by Fight for a Future. This is an Instagram account I follow. It's uh, an article that everyone may have some questions with, and it's certainly one I approached with a skeptical eye, and it's why I really, really wanted to put this forward. This is a topic that's beginning to gain more traction in relation to the strike movement. This is the question of left unity. And I'll go on to say, I'll, I'll read out the this, this summary before I give thoughts, but the article discusses the question of left unity and how to balance diversity of opinion 
and political unity. The author argues that the broadness of any left unity is relative to the political climate in which it finds itself and that the left must be outward facing and willing to infiltrate popular social institutions. The article concludes that there is no absolute formula for left unity and that the approach must be tailored and multifaceted with a focus on maximizing potential for infiltration while protecting against complicity and ideological compromise. Ooh, the last bit's the part to say out again before people get scared because when I hear leftist unity, I, uh, I, Ooh, I want to say I tune out. I take a really hard look at who's preaching leftist unity. There's a lot of concerns when we talk about leftist unity outside of tailored multi-faceted approaches. When we're seeing it discussed on Instagram, Twitter, etc., leftist unity is quite often an opportunist trend. It is regressive elements trying to push their way in and buddy up with those that are more ideologically pure. That is to say, those that critique their beliefs, those that base their opinions and beliefs on material evidence. You'll see that these sort of leftists, big air quotes, these leftists will try and buddy, buddy, butt in and even shame and guilt other comrades oh you're just too factionalized you don't want to compromise you don't want to do this you don't want to join us hear that little freudian slip i almost added into the joke you don't want to compromise your values to partner with us <laughs> sorry they don't say that part out loud <clears throat> that's the part they don't say out loud that's the one they keep quiet but that is what's going on quite often is trying to get people to effectively compromise tried and true revolutionary tactics. This article argues in favor of the Bolshevik revolution. It discusses the counter-revolution that follows, which I think is very important for people to look into. It discusses how to work near and around anarchists, which has been a topic of our continued conversation, both in our, in our book club itself and as a larger aspect of our Discord server. I am very openly a Leninist. I am very openly a Leninist so people have a better idea of what works I consider to be the most vital, which is that of Marx, Engels, and Lenin. Going beyond that is where you see a lot of the factionalization appear. Those that worship Stalin argue that route. Those that worship Mao argue that route. Those that worship others go that route. And quite often, I want to bring the word worship in intentionally because when asked why they follow those routes, what, what the difference is between that and previous Marxist texts, why they don't, why aren't they just part of a larger Leninist group? They don't know. They are unsure because they have not read the foundational material. If they have read it, they seem to have misunderstandings quite often. And this is where I point back again to a lot of the people here in the West that I mentioned earlier, the patriotic socialist Pat Sock group. They tend to worship 
people like Stalin. They don't understand Stalin. They understand what the liberal bourgeois media has taught them about Stalin, that he is a butcher, and that is why they like him, because they want a butcher. That is why they're willing to support current imperialist leaders as well. Because, again, they don't really know or care who Stalin was. They understand who Stalin is to people now. And there is a very distinct difference. Uh, you probably all know I have very strong critiques of Stalin. But even with those fair critiques, there is still much that these people are misunderstanding. That is me saying I can academically understand this, but here we do have blind faith, no critical details, no adherence to materialism, because quite often, again, they don't know what materialism is. In these most recent sessions of our book club, we've actually held some sessions about anarchism and why that is a also a sort of dangerous element for communists to associate with. This article calls that out nicely, saying, look, as Marxists, we have a direction. We have a focus. We have a political unity of our own. This is Marxist thought that we are implementing. However, as much as anarchists might seem like they can get along with us being anti-imperialist, anti-capitalist. We immediately diverge at that point. In one of the recent works we read by Lenin, he even implied so much that anarchists and socialists are only considered close because the bourgeois media publishes our names side by side. This is, in its sense, a false equivalency. Maybe this is me kind of interpreting now from Lenin. I'm curious to know, as I continue to read, if Lenin goes on to imply that anarchism itself is lead weights or sort of cement shoes to drag down, to anchor down the communist movement, because it, it, it has a way in the bourgeois media of conflating the two as if they're equals, when in fact our understanding of revolution is radically different just to put it briefly for those maybe just listening and understanding for the first time, that us as communists believe we proceed on from capitalism to socialism, which is the very important stage of proletarian workers controlling the organs of the state. We control these organs of the state for oppression and repression. Of the common workers? No, the workers control the state. Oppression and suppression of capitalist counter-revolutionary elements that will clearly try to take over power. That is to say, if we had a magic wand and could turn the country into a socialist country overnight, a few minutes later, all of those other elements are still going to try and overthrow us, these pro-capitalist groups. They want to take back what they think is theirs, the factories, the towns, the political power. They're going to take back the arms of all these systems. That is what we control the state for as the workers, is to suppress those elements so that they cannot simply push their way into office and proceed back to hanging all of the the strike leaders and the union leaders, the socialists and the communists, because that is what will happen and has historically happened in counter-revolutions. So our job as socialists, as communists, is to hold that power, not in an egotistical, uh, crystallized, bureaucratic sense. That is where this article rightfully calls out where the Soviet Union went astray. It 
formalized its bureaucracy as a step above the people. Instead, we as socialists, we as real communists who study theory to avoid revisionism, recognize that it is not for us as exclusive people to hold power, but to instead remove those capitalist elements and reinstill the power in the people with, as Lenin, Marx, and Engels all say time and time again, the intentional disillusion of the state, which will happen as a natural and intended byproduct of the socialist revolution, that we are intending to shrink government down. That is our goal. Our goal is to ultimately abolish the state. And that, again, is where we differ from Patsock types out there who simply want to recreate a hermit kingdom with a strong man leader. They are not communists. They are opportunists. They have sold out the working class for personal gain. And I think that's probably a good place to bring all of this back around, to bring this episode to its conclusion, is to say, really go give this, this article a read. I'm, I'm thinking just from memory, I read this a couple days ago, there's, there's probably a line or two here that I didn't agree with, so I, I don't want people to think that I, I, I'm reading this like a, a Bible of my own. I think this is a, a good article that initially I read because I was scared of it. I looked at it and I said, ugh, this is going to be... Why Kyle and the socialists he's friends with should all just, you know, start bringing aboard anarchist groups and all this other stuff. And I was pleasantly surprised to see that this article gave a tactical layout to unity with leftists in times of direct crisis, but with the acknowledgement that that is not the path we plan on going, that allies very quickly will turn into enemies and that we must be prepared to defend not only our belief, our, our Marxist theory, but also to defend our community from these groups that would try to destroy what we worked for, destroy the proletarian revolution. Hey, exactly. Welcome to chat. Good to see you. By the way, this is a good reminder to everyone out there listening to the podcast that we are recording this live on Twitch. If you want to check out any of the links I mentioned throughout the episode, head over to kylecommunist.com. Again, I want to shout out that we've got exciting things coming to the Discord server. We highly welcome everyone to join. If you join, uh, there is a new questionnaire about the book club that's in the, the join section. So please feel free, free to fill that out. If you check yes to the agreement that we're going to do that um, mandatory book club thing every month, Perfect. It gets you in there. You're all set up to go. Uh, Mondays, Thursdays, and Fridays, that is 12 sessions a month. We highly encourage people to get involved. Let's see what we got on the plate for this week. So Thursday, which is tomorrow, August 3rd, we are concluding Wage, Labor, and Capital by Marx on what is it? Friday, August 4th, we are doing Che's Revolutionary Medicine. And then on Monday, August 7th, we are starting Ludwig Feuerbach's, Feuerbach's, I always say his name wrong, I'm so sorry, uh, End of Classical German Philosophy that I see I need to fix a link for on the website. <laughs> I'll get to that after this. But uh, I'll, you can, it's a good reminder to say, scroll to the bottom of the page for the uh, weekly newsletter and you can always find the book clubs there. I'll get this one updated. It still has socialism, utopian, and scientific by Engels from our last session, which I, I, I want to throw out one last massive thank you. We had over 18 people in attendance to the last book club. That was our conclusion, the third section of 
socialism, utopian, and scientific. We will be taking questions about that book in the next session, the Monday session. Uh, our good friend and moderator, Caravan Red, she is going to be bringing forward her uh, answers to a study guide. There was a, I think Socialist Revolution had published it, a study guide for the book, really helpful. If you decide to go back and catch up on it, which we encourage, use that study guide. It breaks down the sections before you get into it. I love to see that sort of study guide come out because some of this older theory, this is from 1880, there's a very different cadence to how they wrote versus how we write. We are now creatures of very short attention spans for multiple reasons. It is helpful for anyone that finds themselves lost, overwhelmed, sort of frazzled when you're doing your reading. Please look to see if you can find a study guide for your, your content, whatever it may be. The study guide from Socialist Revolution just did a fantastic job of breaking down, mm, let's say, 10 pages of material and instead giving four sort of paragraphs saying, here's what he's going to explain. Keep your eyes open for dot, dot, dot. And, and that type of thing can be so, so helpful when you're approaching a book of theory for the first time. This is a little bit of, I guess, my own personal tips on, on how to read theory is the newer you are to it, the more foreign the words are, do not become discouraged. It is a very, it has a learning curve and it is a stiff one at times. There are texts like Friedrich Engels' Principles of Communism that I always recommend to people because it goes back to the roots and it explains what is proletarian, what is bourgeoisie, what are these most fundamental and basic elements. That sort of book can be a great primer even if you're returning to theory after many years, can be a great primer for you going on to something more dense. And I strongly encourage, start with manageable content. I strongly recommend communists do not jump in on the most complex, antiquated, or lengthy pieces of communist material. I am a strong quantity person, especially when you're starting, that you should read materials that are concise enough that you understand for now, because the more you read them, the more you involve yourself, the more you're going to build your confidence. You will feel better. The more terms you understand, the more applicable the text will be. So do not be afraid to reread previous materials. You will feel much smarter for your process. That is going to help immensely. So make sure to dive in, make sure to get involved. We would absolutely love to have you at any of the three sessions we host per week. Come with questions. We're ready to answer them. To everyone out there that watched us live, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. We hope you'll come back next week. There'll be a follow-up episode on Wednesday. If you haven't got a chance yet, make sure you get uh, subscribed over on YouTube. I put these episodes up a couple days later so you can give those videos a nice thumbs up. You can check us out on the Discord server. I'm on Instagram at Kyle Communist, always posting material. We are over on threads. I'm not as active there yet, but hallelujah, Twitter's gone. <laughs> hallelujah, that's done with. And uh, there's probably a couple other things, like I said, newsletter and the rest. So join in, chat if you get a chance. Leave a, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, however they let you do that. And consider one of the, the coolest ways to support that's brand, brand new. If you go to kylecommunist.com, you can find information for the coffee page there under the donate button. 
by becoming a donator or a, a subscriber, any of that on coffee. Specifically, if you look under the shop tab, one of my most recent hobbies has been finding and collecting Soviet materials that were originally published here in the United States, or at least adapted in English. So we've got a 1930s copy of Our Lenin. I have started the digitization work for that. I've done a little video tour of it. Uh, if you want to become a, a helper, a subscriber, consider going over to Coffee and adopting one of these books. If you adopt it early, your name, your username will get attached to it to say you're sort of a, a helper, a founder of it. And you're going to get immediate access to the photos and videos I've taken. As of next month, or probably late towards the end of August now, I will be releasing the book to everyone at large. But right now, I'm still in the process of finding lighting and video stuff for it. So go check that out. There's two copies up there. I have plans for other things. They're going to hop up there very soon. Everyone, stay very safe. And again, get involved. Don't be afraid to read theory. Talk to you soon.